Well, good morning, uh, church family. Uh, so glad to be with you this morning. I'm Robbie, one of the pastors here. Um, this morning, we're going to continue on in our series, Your Name. And I hope this series has been a real blessing to you in your life. I know any time that I do a study of the names of God, I uh, always grow in not only my understanding about how glorious and wonderful our God is, but I grow to appreciate him more as I see his power revealed through his names, as I see his care and concern for me revealed through his names. And so I hope it's been a wonderful season of learning more about who God is as we journey through this. Again, if you're new this morning, we We've been doing this series about names in our particular culture. A lot of times uh, you may name your kid or you may have received a name from your parent uh, that you may not even know what it means. It may not have a ton of meaning uh, behind your name. Sorry, I don't know that Robert does. That's my name. But, you know, it's one of those awareness moments that's good to be, uh, good to be aware of. But in, in Scripture, we see names culturally have a lot of meaning and a lot of purpose. And uh, one of the ways that God helps us to understand more about his character, about himself, and how he relates to people is through revealing different aspects of his name. So we're continuing on with that this morning. We're going to be looking at the name of God, Jehovah Rapha, which comes to us from Exodus 15. So if you want to go ahead and open up your Bibles to Exodus 15, that's what we're going to be looking at today. I've got a memory verse for you on the screen that's going to be coming up, coming from Jeremiah 17. And I really hope you're committing uh, some of these different scriptures to memory throughout this series as you're learning more about who God is, because I think they give us prayers to pray back to God that he has revealed himself and his character to be these things for us. And in praying these prayers back to God, we can already know that they are yes and amen. So this prayer from Jeremiah 17 says, heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me and I shall be saved for you are my praise. Will you say that with me? Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me and I shall be saved for you are my praise. This morning, we're going to be looking at the name of God, Jehovah Rapha, God, our healer or the Lord who heals. Can I pray for us really quick and we'll get into the word. Lord, so good to be here this morning with your church. God, my heart is so full in the words that you've given me, encouragement that you've shared with me from your scripture this week. And Father, I pray that you would just clearly speak to us today. Lord, I believe that this is a message uh, that just like the Israelites needed to hear, Lord, as they were departing Egypt, Lord, uh, this is a message today that we need to hear, that we need to know, that we need to believe that you are Jehovah Rapha, you are the Lord our healer. Speak to us today, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. This story actually comes uh, actually a, a couple chapters earlier in the book of Exodus than where we were last week with Jehovah Nisi. Uh, the Israelites have just come out of Egypt and enslavement for generations, and they're wandering through the land of Shur. And we kind of studied a little bit about that last week with the Amalekites and how they were oppressing Israel and they would come out and attack. We're going to go back a couple chapters today and look at Exodus 15, but I want to go ahead and set up for you a little bit of context of what's happening in the passage that we're going to be looking at today. Uh, so if you kind of, we're going to go in reverse a little bit, I think, oh, 
Sorry about that. My words are off down there. That's weird. Uh, But we're going to go in reverse a little bit with the scriptures. So in Exodus 14, if you can see that on there, you see that that is where uh, the Lord uh, delivers the Israelites out of the hands of the Egyptians and they cross the Red Sea. Moses parts the Red Sea through the power of God and the Israelites are led into safety and the Egyptians are crushed under the weight of the water. In Exodus 13, going back another chapter, The people of God are directed out of the land of Egypt and Pharaoh sets them free. In Exodus 12, you see the Israelites participate in the first Passover and this is the last of the plagues on the Egyptians. Uh, It was a moment in their lives which would signify forever God's passing over over their lives and sparing them from punishment, sparing them from death. It was a moment where God was showing his power to the Israelites in a way for them to remember God's provision for them. In Exodus 10, you see the plagues of locusts and darkness. In Exodus 9, the livestock die and boils come on the Egyptians and hail falls on the Egyptian crops. In Exodus 8, the flies and gnats and frogs descend upon all the people. And in Exodus 7, this is where Moses goes before Pharaoh and declares that the Lord has judged Pharaoh and that he is to set free the Egyptians. And there in Exodus 7, 2, you see the Lord perform the first miracle or plague on the land of Egypt of turning the blood or turning the water into blood. I, I go back this way and it's kind of weird going in reverse, but I think it's important uh, to set some context for us for where the nation of Israel is uh, in the chapter that we're going to be looking at today. So they have just experienced this incredible deliverance at the hand of God. They've seen the Lord use Moses to do these incredible miracles and signs and wonders so that Pharaoh and the Egyptians would know that the God of Israel is the one true God and that his declaration of freedom was going to happen for his people. Can you imagine being one of the Israelites living in that day, seeing God do these great signs and wonders to bring you to a place of freedom? It even says in Exodus 14, 31, right before, it's literally the verse right before where we're looking at today, and Israel saw the power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. And so the people feared the Lord. And they believed in the Lord and his servant, Moses. The people feared the Lord and they believed in his servant, Moses. This brings us to Exodus 15. And we're going to be looking specifically at verses 22 through 27 today. So let's read that together. 22 through 27. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. And they went into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord and the Lord showed him a log and he threw it in the water and the waters became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. And he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do which is right in his eyes, and give ears to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, then I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. For I am Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord your healer. 
Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. Just putting ourselves back in the context of the, the verses that we just kind of looked at, the passages in Exodus and where the Israelites were going to be leaving. Uh, this happens in Exodus 15. The story happens on the, the third day that you're in the, they're kind of wandering around in the desert. And you think back about this journey. So day one, you can kind of see day one play out here earlier in Exodus 15. That at the beginning of this passage, the whole first part of Exodus 15 is literally called the Song of Moses. It's a song of celebration and praise. Moses was functioning as a a worship leader, not only as a prophet for the nation of Israel, but he was leading them in the praises of God, celebrating the Lord's faithfulness to them and his deliverance of them out of the hand of Pharaoh. This is a a really beautiful passage of scripture. I encourage you to go back and read through it. This is where we get modern day worship songs from celebrating the same idea of thanking God and praising him for his faithfulness. So day one, the people cross over the Red Sea, see the Lord provide in this miraculous way and are singing incredible songs of praise. Maybe you can think back to a time in your life where you've experienced God's radical power or provision, and it just made your heart rejoice. I hope you can think of a moment like that and celebrate the mighty works and power of our great God. Day two, they're out in the desert. They're out in the wilderness walking along. And uh, you know, a lot of times day one is always awesome. And then day two, you begin wondering a little bit, you know, Are we going to get to eat dinner or are we going to have something to drink? We're out here in the wilderness, God. What's going on? You promised us this land. We're moving towards this land. But sometimes day two, you know, you're still on the high from day one, but you're starting to come to a place of like, okay, been in this car ride a long time. Where are we going? You know, you're, you're wondering what is coming next. And that brings us here to 1522, which is day three. And by day three, the Israelites are tired And for the first time here after God's deliverance out of Egypt, we see the people are starting to doubt God's provision, God's leadership through Moses, and maybe even God's goodness. You see the people grumbling against Moses. Isn't this just like us? (laughs) Oftentimes our immediate circumstances tend to be a more present reality than God's proven provision. You see them maybe in a place of thinking uh, in Exodus 15, 22, you know, was all that we just sing about true? <laughs> Has God really got this great plan for us? Has he brought us just out here in the desert to die? The people are wondering, what is God doing? And they come to this place, a place of marah, a place of bitterness, bitter water, A place where they, you know, maybe thought for a moment, all right, this is the relief. God is bringing us this relief in this moment. They get to the edge of the water and discover the bitterness there. It's easy to be judgmental on the nation of Israel, but I I believe uh, we often should see and can see a picture of our own wondering hearts I hope that you see that this morning. I hope that this morning as we're journeying through this story that that you can really put yourself in the perspective of the Israelites looking to God for promise, provision, but wondering, would you be able to taste the sweetness of it? 
Isn't it often, though, in the desert places, uh, those places uh, where you're wondering, where you're wanting, where you're longing, that you see God show up in a mighty, mighty way. Verse 23 talks about the bitterness of the place of Moriah. You can kind of think about it, I guess, in our terms, almost like uh, the Mississippi River, like about half a mile downstream from the yeast plant, you know, on the island. It's like coming to this place where you think you're going to have this refreshing, filling drink that's going to restore you. And uh, I don't know about you, we used to baptize in the Mississippi River, and I'm not sure you came up cleaner than you went down. You know what I'm saying? I think, I think you actually came up a little dirtier, but I'm not one that wants to go take a big gulp in the Mississippi River. I can't imagine coming out of the wilderness to this place and feeling the, the disappointment that this was a place of bitterness. This wasn't a place where we were going to be restored. Verse 24 and 25, let's look at those really quick. It says in 24, and the people grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord. And he cried to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a log and he threw it into the water and the water became sweet. I think verse 25 shows us a pattern to live by in these moments of Marah when we come to the water's edge and when we can't drink, where we can't partake in refreshment and be restored. What does Moses do? He goes to the Lord. You see, the people went to Moses. You know, the people went to a man. They went to a leader. And I think a lot of times that's telling of our own heart that we tend to chase out the most obvious things. They've seen Moses put the stick in the water before and turn it into blood. They've seen Moses use this stick as a method of God's power working out all these miracles. And so what do the people do? They go to Moses. Moses, would you provide? And Moses shows us a true pattern of life because Moses goes to the Lord. Moses shows us a pattern of dependence upon God. And then this passage comes to a climax in verse 26, and it says, the Lord is saying to Moses, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do which is right in his eyes and give ears to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord, your healer. God is bringing the Israelites to this place of testing, bringing Moses to this place of testing where God's going to reveal something important, not only for the nation of Israel that day, but something really beautiful and incredibly important to us today. He tells the people that if, if they would listen to the voice of the Lord, if they would keep the commandments of God, that he would be gracious to them as their healer. You can think back to other testing examples that we've seen already in this series. Uh, think about last week, we talked about Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. The people are still in the wilderness of Shur and wandering and the Lord uh, leads Moses and Aaron and her up on this mountain and they hold up the, the stick. And so long as the people are looking to the stick, which is the representation to the nation of Israel for the power of God, so long as the people are looking to the power of God, then they are winning in the battle. But when they take their eyes off that, Amalek starts to defeat them and take victory in the battle. And what is the Lord working out? What is he teaching 
the nation of Israel in that moment. He's teaching them that if they would keep their eyes on him, if they would put their faith in him and his power, that they would be saved from destruction. Or even a couple weeks ago when we talked about Abraham and Isaac and this lesson that God is teaching Abraham when he takes Isaac up on the mountain and he's living by faith. He's being obedient to what God had called him to. And they go up on the mountain and what does he tell Isaac? Out of a place of faith, he says, God will provide the lamb. And you see the Lord in this moment where Abraham is living fully in faithfulness, laying Isaac on the altar and ready to sacrifice him. And the angel of the Lord stops him, says, stop, you know, stop. What are you doing? Here in this moment, God was teaching Abraham faithfulness. And what does the Lord do? The Lord does provide the lamb. The Lord does provide the substitutionary sacrifice, teaching Abraham that God is the God who provides. And that through faith, that there would be a substitutionary sacrifice for his covering, preventing his death and the death of his son. Even another lesson that you can see through the plagues of Egypt on the nation of Israel in that verse that we read in 14, 30 through 31, you see the people learn to fear the Lord. And I think this is like a really important lesson that God taught them is that God is incredibly powerful, that he hates unrighteousness, that he punishes wickedness, that he desires for all people to know his power and his holiness, and that he judges wickedness with righteousness and justice, and there are consequences for sin. The nation of Israel just learned all these things through the plagues that God worked out on the wickedness of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. But Jehovah Rapha, here in Exodus 15, also teaches the Israelites that he is the one who heals, that he is the one who takes the bitter things and makes them sweet, that he is the one who restores brokenness for those who believe on him. God is saying, not only am I mighty to judge sin and to bring about cursing on wickedness, but I am also the one who heals and restores. Look to me, my children. Look to me for your healing. Do a little bit deeper understanding of the name Jehovah Rapha, like what we've done every week, and I think it's helpful for us continuing today. The name Jehovah, again, comes to us from the Hebrew word Yahweh for God. That's the written form of that word with some vowels inserted into it. God who is, who is self-sustaining, who is unchangeable, who is immeasurable, who is forever God. And the word Rapha, also sometimes translated rofe in scripture, used 60 to 70 times in the Old Testament. The word is always referring to one who heals, one who restores, and one who cures. This word is used sometimes to refer to physicians in scripture too, the attribute of healing. You can see another aspect to this in 1 Kings 18.30, if you wanna write that passage down, I think it's helpful for understanding God is a restorer and Elijah is restoring the altar of God back to its original state. In verse 30, it says, then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Inerrant in the name Rapha that we see throughout scripture is not only as we think about it as a, a physician or maybe you're in the medical field, as a, a physical healing, but you see a restoring attribute of God or one who puts things back to their original state. 
one who is able to heal ultimately and not only temporary. And uh, for me, for you, for all of us, that is good news. That God is not only able to heal temporarily, but he is able to heal eternally and restore things back to the way he created them to be. This is really good news for us today. Really good news that our God is Jehovah Rapha, that he is the Lord, our healer. And why is it good news? Um, You can't just celebrate the good news and the aspects of who God is without being honest about the brokenness that sometimes feels like it rules and reigns in our world. Um, Decay, disease, these places of bitter water for each and every one of us. Maybe you feel brokenness today in physical sickness, in emotional turmoil, or in spiritual darkness. There is brokenness in each and every one of us in all three of those uh, aspects. And so many times, um, (laughs) there's brokenness in my life. My life's been stricken with the effects of disease and death and divorce and doubt and spiritual emptiness, sickness. This message today, when Barrett asked me to, to preach on this, I think, man, I think the Lord just had something to me, uh, for me today to, to really think on, again, in my life, the, the depth and the effects of real brokenness, physically, emotional, uh, emotionally, and spiritually. Even in this last season, um, really thankful my brother and sister-in-law, my mom are all here today. Hey guys, my new nephew, Henry. Um, Many of you have been praying for Henry and uh, I just say thank you so much for that in the last months. Um, When I thought about this passage immediately, uh, it's inescapable thinking about this last season of life uh, for my family, for me, uh, even on a journey with this and believing that God is Jehovah Rapha. Uh, six months ago on uh, December 26, uh, I, I was so excited. We found out in October uh, that, that my sister-in-law was pregnant with her and my brother's first child, and it was so fun. Oh my gosh, it was so amazing. And as a, uh, I don't have any kids of my own. I get to be the uncle to uh, a couple nephews and a couple nieces, and um, I have so much joy that the Lord has given me in them. Uh, and uh, we had so much joy I'm just celebrating what God was doing in our family. And uh, I'll never forget the day after Christmas in 2017, last, last Christmas, uh, December 26th, we were going to be celebrating this gender reveal party at uh, 10 a.m. that morning at Stacks. It's awesome pancakes. You should check it out. But we were going to be going, just celebrating whether we were going to be having a, a niece or a nephew coming into this world. And I remember uh, getting a text from my brother around 9.30 um, that just said the the party's canceled. I'll I'll, I'll give you more info later. I knew they were at the doctor getting an ultrasound and just knowing like, God, what this, this must be a worst case scenario. God, what's going on? What happened, Lord? We've been praying for this. We've been looking towards this. What's going on? 
and coming to find out that day uh, during the ultrasound that he has uh, ASD or a hole in one of the atriums of his heart. And uh, that news led uh, my brother and sister-in-law on this journey of uh, finding out that, that my nephew has Down syndrome as well. And uh, I'll, ne- I'll never forget that day of um, just coming to a place of like, God, what are you doing? <laughs> like we were just experiencing all this joy, <laughs> this like great hope and purpose. And it felt like we're at this place of bitter waters now of not understanding what else involved with this health realities for even the immediacy of the completion of the pregnancy and the, the rest of his life and the, the, the realities that that's going to mean. And in my own heart, just struggling, begging God to, to understand at the place of, of Marah. And I think it's so many times when we consider our own hearts, our own lives, um, our own stories like that, the places of Marah, where today I hope that God will capture your heart again and remind you that he is Jehovah Rapha, that he is the Lord, our healer. There's three ways that we see in scripture that we need healing. The first is we have a physical need for healing. Isn't this obvious? Psalm 6, 2 through 3 says, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. And my soul is greatly troubled. Romans 8 even points us back to the fact that all of creation is groaning with the pains of childbirth, longing for Christ who would set things right. Nathan Stone says in his book on the names of God, and I'll read you this quote, nothing is more obvious and tragic and costly than the toil that sickness has exacted from human life and happiness. Disease is rife and often rampant the world over and has wrought untold havoc. It is no respecter of persons and stretches out all of its terrible, uh, terribleness into all classes and communities and cultures. It is a grim fact of human life and existence with which mankind has always had to cope and which has called for the exercise of its best brains and efforts and resourcefulness. Terrible plagues and scourges have at times threatened the existence of an entire continent and destroyed large portions of populations. Yes, mankind is physically sick. It is in constant need of a healer. How many of you in the room this morning are medical related. I know we have a really big medical community in the church. You do anything with medicine or thank you for what you're doing. How many of you have seen examples of this physical brokenness in your practices? Maybe you've sat with patients who you just had to tell they're never going to see again, you know, or you just had to sit with them and you had to take a scan where they thought everything was going to be okay and reveal to them that you've got cancer. Um, I know many of you and have sat with many of you and for those in the medical field it's an everyday process of being confronted with this brokenness physically in our world. But each one of us have been touched in this way. Each one of us have been touched in this way. Maybe you're thinking of somebody right now in your heart or your head. Maybe it's your own self. I sat with a man this week in our church who many of us love and know dearly who has just been told that he doesn't have many more days to live. 
incredibly faithful brother, but nothing will confront you with the need for physical healing like being confronted with death. We've all been affected by this. We've all seen glimpses of this brokenness in our world. I think about my dad who had Parkinson's for many years growing up, uh, about 10 years, and we celebrated the 10th anniversary of his passing last Sunday. Uh, God took him home and I praise God, uh, like 2 Corinthians 5 talks about, that he is now in a, a tent that was not made with physical hands, but he is at home with the Lord and restored. Uh, we've all been confronted with this brokenness. So for me, for many years, it was praying, God, would you heal my father? God, would you show yourself as Jehovah Rapha? Time and time again, going back to God, longing to see the Lord restore my dad's physical brokenness. Friends, we all know that we have a need for physical healing. And if you feel well right now, if you feel like everything's going good, I promise you there's a time coming in your life where you will be confronted with that need. We also have an emotional need for healing. If you think back to this last series uh, that we just did, it was so wonderful, set free. We had uh, seven different people from our church uh, be willing to get up and give testimonies about the emotional hurts or brokenness, physical brokenness in their life and the turmoil emotionally that that has wrought on their hearts. Each one of us, I'm sure, have experienced some sort of emotional brokenness, feelings maybe that still haunt you to this day. You see this worked out in our country right now. We're facing the greatest drug crisis with opioid abuse that we've ever experienced in our nation. People trying to, to medicate hurt and medicate brokenness. Even in the news in the past week, the, the several different uh, celebrities in our country that have taken their own lives because of deep emotional pain and brokenness in their heart. Friends, we have a need for emotional healing. And we also, most importantly, have a need for spiritual healing. This is the cause of every type of brokenness that we experience. This is the stem of everything else, going back to Genesis 3 and the sin originally of Adam and Eve that God cursed the earth and we experience the effects of sin to this day and brokenness. You can trace everything back to it. I wanna take a little divergence here because I think it's important for we as believers to be educated about the effects of physical brokenness and emotional turmoil and spiritual disease, sickness. Um, I've sat sometimes with Christians who are maybe quick to point out uh, that physical brokenness has been manifested somehow as a result of a person's spiritual brokenness and that can be the case sometime, but I tell you, and, I, and we've clinged to this in the past months. I'll tell you this to you, like parents, like if your kids are sick, Jesus has an answer to that in John 9, that people confront Jesus asking him if this boy who was born blind is a result because of his parents' wickedness. And Jesus rebukes them. And Jesus tells them that that boy was born that way so that his glory could be known through that child. And then he sends away those questioners. And so friends, I tell you like today, please be cautious about how you walk with people and encourage them in the Lord. Let that be a good word for us and let us live like Christ that God doesn't make mistakes when he creates people, but he creates people in spiritual brokenness. He creates people in physical brokenness so that his glory might be manifested through them.
Isaiah 1, 5 through 6 gives us an example of how physical brokenness is kind of talked about, or how spiritual brokenness in Scripture is talked about, even with physical descriptions. Isaiah says, a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offsprings of evildoers, children who deal corruptly, that they have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Why will you be struck down? What will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint from the sole of the foot, even to the head. There is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds they are not pressed out or bound up with softened oil. Isaiah's using physical descriptors to show us about a sick heart, a sick soul. This morning, uh, talking through those different things, I, I just want to lead us kind of into maybe a moment of just considering what our place presently of Marah is, that place maybe you're at right now that you're already beginning to think about. Maybe God just, just the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in one of these different things or maybe multiple of them this morning that you, friend, are in need of healing physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And there's good news today because God says to us, just like he said to the nation of Israel, that he is Jehovah Rapha, he is the Lord our healer. He is able to heal our brokenness, restore our souls, our bodies, our hearts. He's able to bring true freedom to us. Continuing on with that story, uh, just in this last season that's been really present for me and my family with my nephew, coming to that place of Marav, longing to see what God was doing to know that he truly was God our healer. And man, it sent us on six months of a journey so far. <laughs> and um, it's incredible. So I'm so thankful. Um, just as God, over, over the last, uh, yeah, over the last six months, God has been so faithful to show himself time and time again as uh, Jehovah Rapha to us. Um, a lot of times you're holding out, only believing that God is a healer in a physical sense. Uh, I'm only going to believe that this is who you are, God, when you heal in this one way. And I think it's really important that we see in Scripture that God heals in many ways, all of our brokenness. Um, The Lord has been so faithful to use, Henry, to use that little boy you're holding, Morgan, to heal brokenness in some relationships, to heal crisis of faith, to heal and bring greater knowledge of God's faithfulness and truly for me to bring even greater trust in God's providence. Um, God brought Henry in this world about a month ago and um, it's so cool. Uh, he uh, was born, we had an incredible couple days uh, with him and then it was uh, discovered that he has a con- had a condition, has, still has, a, a condition called Hirschsprungs, uh, which was kind of a, intestinal issue that he had. And I remember again, we had this great couple of days and seeing the Lord provide and you're just celebrating God's provision and faithfulness. And it's easy for my heart just to think back like the Israelites and to come to a place again of saying, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, you know, what, what is going on here? God, you brought us into the desert just to, 
to be sick now, to die now, and the Lord, again, showing himself faithful to bring Henry through those surgeries, and he's got a long journey left ahead, but it's amazing how the Lord can take broken things that often appear bitter in our lives and use them for much greater purposes of teaching us, just like he did with the Israelites, of teaching us that he is the Lord, our healer. Friends, this morning, uh, a lot of times you can diagnose a problem, you can understand what's going on with it, you can even understand maybe that God is powerful to do something, but you've got to be able to take the medicine and apply the healing method to your life. And today, friends, Jesus can heal you. If you're asking, how can I be healed this morning, Jesus can heal you. It's Jesus in Psalm 103.3 who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your disease. He told us in Matthew 9.12, it's not the healthy that need the doctor, but the sick. For I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Remember the words in Jeremiah 3.22, return faithful sons, faithless sons, and I will heal your faithfulness, your faithlessness, excuse me. In Jeremiah 30, 17, for I will restore health to you. And you can even think about the story of the woman at the well in John chapter four, when Jesus loves her, meets her in her brokenness and restores her saying, if anyone is thirsty, what a picture of Marah, the Israelites wandering in the wilderness. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, As the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from him. Can Jesus heal you physically? Yes, he can. In John 4, Jesus heals the official sons in Galilee. In Matthew 8, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. In Luke 4, Jesus heals many sick and oppressed. In Luke 5, Jesus cleanses a man with leprosy. In Matthew 8, Jesus heals the centurion's paralyzed servant. In Mark 2, Jesus heals the paralytic who was let down from the roof. In Mark 3, Jesus heals a man with a withered hand. In John 7, Jesus raises the widow's son from the dead. In Mark 5, Jesus heals the woman with a bleeding issue. In Matthew 9, Jesus heals the blind. Again in Matthew 9, Jesus heals the mute. In Mark 7, Jesus heals the deaf. In Luke 13, Jesus heals a woman who was crippled for 18 years. And in John 11, 1, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And he went on and on healing. Jesus is powerful to heal you physically. And friends, in Jesus, there is a day we do still experience the brokenness of decay and disease in this world. But in Jesus, friends, there is a day where he is going to set all things right, where he is gonna make all things new, and where he will heal those who believe to the uttermost physically. Can Jesus heal you emotionally? Yes, yes, friends, he can. In Mark 1, 21, Jesus drives out the evil spirit from the man in Capernaum. In Mark 5, Jesus frees the demon-possessed man on the beach. Again, he's meeting people in their brokenness. In John 4, he calls out the adulterous woman at the well and offers her new life. In Luke 19, he gives compassion to Zacchaeus, who was a liar and a cheater. In John 14, he imparts peace to those of us who are looking for it. In John 3, he brought love into a broken world. In Matthew 11:28, Jesus calls to us, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I, I will give you rest. 
Imagine the extent of the emotional healing that would have come to those sick and destitute and cast out of society that Jesus went to, that Jesus touched, that Jesus offered compassion to, that Jesus sat with, that he dined with, that he accepted and gave new life. Imagine the emotional healing that Jesus brings. And can Jesus heal you spiritually? Absolutely. And that, friends, should give us life and hope today. The blood of Jesus is able to be applied to the life of every sinner and heal us to the uttermost. In Mark 2, he forgave the sins of the sick because of their faith. In Luke 7, Jesus forgave the woman for her sinful life. In Matthew 9, Jesus forgave the sins of the paralytic because he saw the faith of his friends. In John 3, Jesus foretells of how he would heal all of those who believe. And this beautiful picture in Revelation 22, turn over there with me really quick if you have your Bible. Revelation 22, verses 1 through 2. And this beautiful picture 22, one through two. And it says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kind of fruits, yielding its fruits each month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. You see this picture back from Exodus 15, the leaves of the tree in heaven and eternity before the throne of God is for the healing of the nations. The Lord instructing Moses to throw the tree into the water and he took the bitterness and he made it sweet. Friends, Jesus is going to restore all things. Jesus can heal your physical disease. He can heal your emotional sickness and your spiritual darkness. Jehovah Rapha, what is the instruction that we can discern from the passage in Exodus 15 that we, we've got to look to today? What do we do? What do we do? What do we know? We should know that we cannot heal ourselves but God can heal us. Even in the use of the tree to make the bitter water sweet, we see a foreshadowing of Jesus. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. Jesus Christ is Jehovah Rapha. Jesus shows us the healing tree that can take every brokenness and offer us restoration. Jesus is the remedy. Can there be healing? (laughs) Friends, there's healing in Jesus. In my life, the brokenness that I've experienced emotionally, physically, spiritually, seasons of a lot of darkness, seasons of a lot of brokenness, seasons of longing to see God provide. Friends, Jesus is healing me physically. One day I'll be fully restored in his presence, praise God. Jesus is healing me emotionally, that he's taking the brokenness of my heart 
and he's making it new. And friends, he's healed me. He's healed me spiritually. The blood of Jesus over my life has healed me and it can heal you today as well. Isaiah 53, five says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Because he suffered bitterness, we can be sweet. Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved. For you, God, are my praise. This morning, I don't know what God has been speaking to you uh, through revealing this name in Scripture. but I want to lead us into a time of response. So if you'll just go ahead and, and begin to, to pray with me, maybe asking God what he's saying to you this morning, specifically where you need to trust Jehovah Rapha for healing in your life. Just continuing with the story that I've been telling this morning, we're, we're continuing, I'm continuing to trust God as Jehovah Rapha for healing with my nephew. You know, and as I was preparing for this message this week, I had to get on my face and there's some places that God brought in my heart that I need desperately for Jehovah Rapha, for Jesus to heal. What are those places in your heart, friends? Just a few verses on in Revelation 22, in verse 17, the invitation from the tree and the water that is for the healing of the nations is come and let the one who hears say come and let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Come. Today, friends, as you're processing and responding to the Lord, the invitation to you is the invitation that is offered to every person is to come to Jesus, come to the waters of life, drink deep, friend, the water that is sweet. Allow him to take your place of marah, the place that you need healing and allow him to show his power like he did for the Israelites. Seek him out today. Come to him, cling to him, ask him to heal you. Take that invitation from Revelation 22 to come and to drink of the waters of life. This morning, we're just gonna take a minute and just pray. So I wanna just lead you in that time. Just respond to the Lord. We'll begin singing in a moment. But just deal with the Lord with where he's calling you to be healed today. Father, this morning we we are people who are broken by sin. God, we're feeling the effects of physical turmoil in this life all around us, Lord. There's physical brokenness, emotional brokenness, Lord, and spiritual darkness. We've all been affected by it. 
today, Lord, I, I believe, God, that you have desired and purpose, Lord, your word to go forward so that, God, we might embrace your healing this morning, physically, spiritually, emotionally, that you are able to heal to the uttermost, Jesus. And in you, all who believe would be fully restored. Speak to us today, Lord. As we continue to respond this morning, there's going to be prayer counselors in the back. I'll remain up here in the front. If you'd like prayer, um, the people in the back, they love you. They would love to intercede for you, to pray for healing, to pray for physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing, to go to God with you, to lay down that place of Marah, and to walk in true healing. Let's just respond to the Lord.